So we're continuing on in our series uh, today, talking about the one another's. And if you remember last week, we talked about what does it mean to greet one another with a holy kiss? And uh, we saw that it meant a lot more than what we thought it did. And even in these times where kissing each other perhaps isn't the best and wisest thing to do, we can still do it. And we need to do it. And we need to see ways of how we can do it in an alternative way and apply scripture in that way. Today, we're looking at quite an old-fashioned word. And uh, some of you may have never heard it. Uh, but you've certainly heard different terms for it. And the key verse that we're going to read today is out of Colossians 3, and it's verse 16. And it says this in the, in the NIV, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. What does it mean to admonish one another? Have you been admonished just lately? Uh, I know in my growing up, uh, I was admonished every other week for something that I've done or not done in church or some little sort of like mischief that I got up to or something like that. Admonishment was part of my childhood and uh, actually not always in a good way. In fact, quite often in quite a bad way that really could have had a bad influence uh, or a bad effect on me. But it's interesting that in this particular passage, it says, admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, through hymns, and through songs of the Spirit. How do you admonish, or in other words, tell somebody off in song? Have you ever been told off in song? That's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Uh, well, Obviously, admonish means a lot more than telling off. In fact, we've just been singing a song where one of the lines, I just felt I should write it on my hand. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. That's an admonishment. That's an admonishment in song. There might be times in your life where you feel very distant from God. Perhaps something that you're very conscious of that you've done or thought maybe in your own head has distanced you from God. Maybe you're worried about your, your salvation. Remind yourself. Admonish yourself. Or if you know someone in this position, admonish them and say, listen, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. If you're not a good singer, it doesn't matter because it's truth. It's truth, and it's exactly what the Bible teaches. So I really encourage you to read around a particular verse. In fact, do you know, I've got friends who uh, really insist that we actually pick up a physical Bible and have a physical Bible, and that's good. It's good to read an actual book and have that in your head and know where the books are in the Bible. But let me also recommend, if you've got an iPad or a phone, and the Bible's on that phone, it's a really good thing. It's a really good thing because when you're looking at a passage like this, you can read different translations over and over again to get a real meaning of the particular passage. And Colossians 3 is one of those brilliant passages where you think, I need to read that from a different version. I need to see a little bit more about what is in that particular version. 
And so the amplified version of this particular passage, including that verse, says this, and I'm going to read it out slowly and deliberately, not because I've not got much of a sermon, but because this is God's word. And this is really informative to us today uh, when we're talking about this particular uh, thing, admonish one another. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For you died to this world, and, you, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual, self-centered instincts, immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. Because of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. For those who fail to listen and who routinely and obstinately disregard God's precepts, in these th sinful things, you also once walked when you were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Christ. But now, rid yourselves completely of all these things. Things like anger, rage, malice, slander, obscenities, abusiveness, filthy vulgar language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old self with its evil practices and you put on the new spiritual self who is being continually renewed in true knowledge in the image of him who created the new self. A renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, not between nations, whether barbarian or Sinctian, nor in status either, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So believers are equal in Christ without distinction. So as God's chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for this purpose and well beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other. Beyond these things, put on and wrap yourself in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity for everything is bound together in agreement with each, uh, with each one, when each one seeks the best for others. Let the peace of Christ, this inner calm of one who walks daily with him, 
be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding unsettling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members of one body of believers. And be thankful to God always. Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being as you teach spiritual things and admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on him, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's a long passage, but it's full of goodness, full of really sound, sensible teaching. It's truth. It's truth. And it's good to have something like an electronic device where you can just flick around and see what New Living Translation says or NIV says or good old King James Amplified, the message version, and really sort of like think, get a hold of what this scripture is actually saying. A few years ago, I went with Steve Kempton, who some of you know, he was out in Nepal for 10 years, and uh, I went with him and a small team on a mission to, uh, to Nepal, to the southern region of Nepal, down near the border of India. And uh, the organization that he set up, United Vision Nepal, had been invited into a village to dig a well. The village hadn't had a well, and it was full of all kinds of disease and illness, and uh, the crops were bad and everything like that before this well. And they'd invited this Christian Christian charity in. They'd never heard about Jesus before, and this Christian charity had not even mentioned Jesus at this stage, and they'd dug a well for this village. And this village had come and said, why are you digging this well? And they said, well, because we're Christians and because we believe God loves everyone and, and because we, we, we know that illness is a real crippler and so we want people to prosper and it's all part of the gospel. And they were like, oh, tell us more about this Jesus. And it opened the door for them to tell them. And they actually said, no, no one from any other religion has done this. Tell us about this Jesus. And if you go to that village now, you'll see a marked change. You'll see children running around with, not, with their stomachs not distended because they've got, they've got good intestines. They've got clean water in them. You'll walk past fields that are all in order and all well irrigated and crops that are really growing healthy and tall. You'll see a village that's quite tidy because suddenly people have got the energy to sort of like take pride in where they live and look after the place. And it really, really is a happy place. Ten minutes walk down the lane, you'll come to another village. And that village, up to when we went anyway, had not asked UVN to come in and dig a well. And in that village, when you walked in, there was a distinct air of sadness, illness, dullness. I can't describe it any other way. The kids that were around looked poorly. Their stomachs were distended. The crops in the field were puny and withered and small. 
And there was a marked difference because they weren't getting irrigated with good water. Yeah, they were getting watered every once in a while, but the water was quite a long way away and the people were having to, to fetch it. Thankfully, the village with the well, when they started with the well, they, they've started to share their water. And so it was having an effect, but it was much slower than if they'd had their own well. And do you know what? That really reminds me of the different ways that we can live our lives. If you become a Christian and you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, the Spirit of Jesus into your life, it's like digging a well, a well that provides fresh water. If you begin to read God's Word and to apply it to your life, it's like drinking in that fresh water, that good water. If you don't, if you just try and get wisdom from all over the place, different people's so-called good advice, you might, you might start planting into your life stuff that's not particularly good for you, not particularly healthy. It might create things in you that really bring you sort of like an illness of the mind rather than the stomach, but it, it really has its effect. What Paul's saying here is Scripture, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is fresh water. In fact, Jesus said, didn't he? I, I come to bring you living water. It springs up in you. It brings goodness. One of the great commentators that, that I really enjoy reading is N.T. Wright. And N.T. Wright says, if you look at Colossians 3 and you think about two villages, it's really interesting that I had this this notion of these two Nepali villages with the fresh water. And then I read N.T. Wright and he said, there's two villages in Colossians 3. There's a village where attitudes of anger, malice, impurity, all kinds of that stuff are, foster, are, are festering and being fostered. And, and if you want to live in that village, beware. Because it's not good. And you're in that environment. But there's another village down the road that's full of love and patience and kindness and gentleness and living water. And N.T. Wright recommends that you go and check out that village because that's a village where you can prosper and you can grow and you can love one another. And now I've completely lost my notes. But anyway... So admonish, what does it mean in the Bible? Well, if you look at the dictionary definition, it gives us a little bit of a clue because it says to warn or to reprimand someone firmly. Also, it uses other words, rebuke, scold, reprove, chastise. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly been chastised quite a few times. I've been reproved quite a few times. I've been rebuked quite a few times by well-meaning people, but maybe not in a, a real spirit-filled way sometimes. And certainly as a young man growing up from a boy to a youth, you know, I got involved in some stuff that perhaps uh, freaked my grandparents out and other people in, in the church. And they were doing their best to try and stop me. But when they did it, I wonder if they were trying to do it in the fullness of what this passage particularly encourages us to do. Because it did have effect on me. I nearly walked away. I nearly jacked in 
not just coming to church, but jacked in the whole God thing because of certain attitudes that I saw in people. But newer translations of the Bible have replaced this word admonish because it had those negative connotations. They've used words like exhort, encourage, or counsel. And they're the sort of words that we need to be thinking about. I'm not saying replace admonish. Admonish, the, the, the right understanding of admonish is all this. But today, we encourage people to go for counsel, don't we? Go and, go and talk to someone about that. It's best if you talk it out. Go and talk to someone who's going to encourage you. The Cambridge Dictionary says this, to warn, to admonish is to warn someone not to do something, usually in a kind way, it says. Well, I would add to that and say, in a Christian way, in a spirit-filled way. And that's what Paul's doing here to the early Christians. He's saying, admonish one another for two reasons. One, because you are a people of peace. And God's peace is growing in you. And peace is a good thing to share. But when you teach one another, encourage one another, or see something in someone else that needs a little bit of a challenge, do it in a peaceful way. Do it in a way that builds them up, encourages them, not pulls them down, not just scolds them. He also does it, uh, encourages it because he says, you're a people filled with knowledge. What kind of knowledge does he mean? Does he mean they've all been to university and got a degree or a master's or anything like that? Does he mean some other philosophy? No. He means godly knowledge. A knowledge of scripture, a knowledge of what the apostles are teaching. The Christians, it says in Acts, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and they grew together. And all the one another's come out of that. Having a real relationship with Jesus and each other enables us to be people of peace and people who enjoy that living water together, sharing one another, pouring out that living water. And if you have that in your mind, when you see someone that needs a challenge gently or needs truth speaking into them in love, always be mindful that what you're doing is you're, you're letting out that living water upon them. Not, not that wrath, not that tidal wave or that torrent of, of rage, but that, that gentle stream of living water. That's the way to reprove. That's the way to challenge. That's the way to help one another grow in peace. Admonishment has a strong sense of community, living with each other, building each other up in the most holy faith. And Dan's going to be talking a little bit more about loving one another next week and in the next couple of weeks, actually. And there's an awful strong sense about permissioning each other to speak into each other's lives. If we're building one another up in love, we need to be able to be truthful to one another, don't we? To help one another. And we need to open ourselves up. That's a very vulnerable place to be. Accountability is a really, really tough thing, but it's a really, really beneficial thing in a Christian's life. And um, my friend Lee and I met 25 years ago. I was a youth pastor uh, in the church in Leeds, and Lee ran a Christian youth work, uh, schools work charity in Leeds. And we used to meet up 
at prayer breakfasts and things like that. And uh, we used to see each other and a friendship started growing. And then we started talking a little bit more, started praying with each other. And then we started talking about the real stuff that as Christian men, we find hard as, as people involved in helping young people. Late Friday nights were the thing. It was always a Friday night that was like, you know, you'd done youth work, you were buzzing, your, your mind was alive, but physically you were shattered. And you'd come home and you'd flop down and you'd get a bag of crisps and a cup of tea and you'd put the television on and it was probably past midnight. And there's always something really dangerous on the television. I can remember we once got talking about having the remote control and uh, as you do, pressing that remote control until you stopped on something that, that you were interested in, that would grab your attention. And we started sharing with each other, what would make us stop with that remote control? You know, and it was, it was things, for me, it would be things like sport. If there was something on of a sporting nature, I, I would suddenly stop and I would watch that. Music, if it was anything musical, you know, it was like, wow, this is, this is good. If it was cooking, I like cooking. So if it was, not that there's many cookery shows on past 12 o'clock at night, but <laughs> if it was cooking, uh, yeah. But if I was scrolling as a tired man and I come across a film with a scene in it that was perhaps not altogether edifying, I had to confess that would probably make me stop and I would watch it. And then I'd think, once it was over, that was a really stupid thing to do. And I'd be full of guilt and I'd be like, God, forgive me, that's terrible. Or, and I thought, how do I stop myself doing this? Because once those images are in, it takes a lot to get them out. How do I, how do I stop myself doing this? And like we shared. And interestingly, when you share with other people, you realize they struggle with the same things that you struggle with. It's not unusual. You know, you, and so we started talking and started saying, how do we practically help one another? So Lee, myself, and another guy called Duncan, we started not just praying together, we started sharing with one another in an accountability sort of way. We used to have a little secret text to each other on a Friday night. Jules Holland is good tonight. That really meant don't be stupid and watch something that is going to damage you spiritually. You know, just watch something that, that, that's innocuous and, and that you'll just enjoy. And accountability is a thing that keeps you on track. And I have to say that certainly in my life, having a friend that I can share some of my struggles with, all of my struggles with, some of my frustrations with and things like that has really really helped me along that road and accountability is all about admonishing one another so I'm going to invite Lee to come and just uh, continue on in this little uh, this little passage so let's give him a hand thank you Lee are we on hello Wow, I, I'm a speaker and trainer by uh, what I do. Do a lot of talks all over the place, and this is the only second time I've seen real humans in 15 months. I've basically been on Zoom for 15 months. I tell you what, it's great. You look a little bit weird with the masks on, but it's all good. Now, um, you've got to know Pastor Andy, as you know him, 
uh, little Lenny, as we often call him. All right, so we, we often call him Lenny, um, and uh, I think for the first time ever, there's a football scoreline that is relevant here, and that is Derby one, Leeds nil. Because we in Leeds are absolutely gutted that we've lost Andy to you, but we absolutely are so excited that he's come here. Because you don't get that kind of honesty from a lot of church leaders. And I'm not being rude, but I've worked with a lot of church leaders, okay? So that's, really, that's a really good thing, and, and that is a healthy thing. Uh, after, I, after I vaguely wrote that song that you remember, um, it was a long story, I won't go into it, but we used to jump around the stage quite a lot uh, at big gigs and arenas and stuff like that. And then me and my, one of my other good mates, uh, a guy called Baz Gascoigne from Sheffield, who is a, a pastor and um, chaplain there, we, we started writing books for men because we really wanted to write really honest Christian books for men. And uh, someone hated our book so much, they wrote to the publisher and said they should take it off the shelves because it is too honest. Can you imagine that? Someone wrote to the publisher and said that book is too honest. But I think that's really important. Honesty is really important in our walk with Jesus. Would you agree? But it doesn't often happen because we're embarrassed and stuff like that, aren't we? I was at Soul Survivor 20 years ago, DJing and doing this performing thing, and I think someone had dropped out of the seminar, so the organizers said, you couldn't speak to uh, all the lads here, Lee, could you? Because I know you do that kind of thing. I was like, yeah, sure. 2,000 teenage lads in front of me in this big tent at Soul Survivor. Right? You could see the testosterone in the room. Do you know what I mean? It was like a fog just hovering over their heads. And I just said to them, I said, right, guys, before I start, I want you to, I want you to look around the room now. There's 2,000 of you here. I want you to look around this room now. And I'll tell you, unfortunately, in 20 years' time, a lot of you will not be following Jesus anymore. And they all thought, oh, lead, give us a bit of a motivational talk, will you, please? That's a bit miserable. And the fact is, it's now 20 years later, and the fact is, is that's true. I've known friends of mine who've drifted away friends of mine who've gone lukewarm which is almost worse than them disappearing altogether who've gone kind of very lukewarm I've got friends of mine uh, you know Christian leaders who've made poor choices and I know Christian leaders and other Christian blokes that I know that have not only made poor choices they've made really stupid choices but here's what I learned writing and speaking to men is those choices don't happen instantly they happen over a period of time and it takes a year or two for a stupid choice to be made. And what we try and do together, me and Andy and, and, uh, and Duncan, sometimes I met Ian as well, what we do is we, we prevent that from happening by talking about it earlier. Do you, do you understand what I mean? Yeah? Because that's really, really important. So, yeah, um, you know, life can be tough, as Andy says, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm being very careful the words that I choose here because I'm in a church, but uh, uh, poo happens, Okay. All right? Sometimes things happen in life and they're terrible, aren't they? Or they're awful. And you just think, what is that all about? And so we have to learn to deal with that the best way that we can. How do we, de- how do we deal with this kind of stuff that happens? You know, we need support to survive as Christians. And uh, I see all you guys. I know you support each other. So nice to see you all here today. Support is important, right? And you need prayer and support, right? But also... Would you agree, and would you agree that also sometimes we need a little bit of a kick? 
You know, just a gentle kind of, come on, Lee, get a little bit of a kick. And that's a good thing to have. And that's what this admonishment is about. When he asked me to speak about this word, I had to look it up. I hadn't, know, I hadn't heard it before because uh, I'm not from I'm not from the helium denomination. I'm, I'm from Pioneer. So we only read like comic books and the message. Do you know what I mean? So um, that's a joke, by the way. Um, I want to tell just I just want to tell you two or three stories. And then what I'd love to do, actually, I was I was talking to uh, Lenny earlier that what I'll probably do is I'll probably write a little uh, a little document for you or maybe do a video if you're interested in starting up this kind of relationship because I think it could be really key for a church like yourself. I found out the other day that, you know, in, in Arabic, and I've got some friends who speak Arabic, and I've got some uh, Muslim friends, and um, in Arabic there's 12 words for friend. In England, we, in English we have like friend, acquaintance, good friend. English is terrible language, isn't it? Right? Even in love, we have love, but I love my car and I love my wife. That's not right, is it? You know, it, you know, Greek, we have loads of... But in Arabic, they have 12 words, and the words for friendship go from someone you wave at in the street, or someone you, or if you're English, someone that you nod at, all right? Right through to someone who you are, who you are inseparable from. Someone that you're permanently with and and friendship levels are going out and I think that if it's one to twelve I would say that most Christians that I know sometimes never get beyond six or seven in their friendship levels and we're we're pushing it to sort of nine and ten at our levels eleven maybe do you know what I mean and I'll share that in this thing that I'll do it's important that we just have some deeper friends and the fact is and I'm sorry just to uh, uh, women you are so much better than this than blokes Right, my wife goes out for coffee with a friend. She stares intently in her eyes and shares her whole life with her within an hour. Blokes go, you see the football? Yeah, all the best. And then that's it. Do you know what I mean? They talk about football and cars and nothing else. And what I love is when you get a bit of honesty and you start talking about real issues, yeah? Makes a big difference, doesn't it? But I know guys who just talk, talk about football, they talk about cars. They talk about, you know, that, and that's it. And they're done. They're done. So anyway, so yeah, so we did start a meeting all that time time ago. And um, this is kind of how we do it, right? So if you're interested in going a bit deeper, I think it works quite well in a three or four. Three is a good number. Two can be a bit too intense and if someone's having a bad day. So three, you kind of pick up for each other. So three is quite a useful number. So choose your friends well and ask them, do you fancy going a little bit deeper than just saying hello and having a coffee. But choose your friends well. And it might not work, or it might do. But here's the thing, and, 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 and Andy mentioned this. Permission is everything. Right? I don't know any of you, really. So I am not going to speak into your lives. I'm not going to go up to you and go, can I just say... It's the equivalent of, 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 of sending someone a note in a brown paper envelope and putting it under their door. It's never a good look, is it, right? My dad was a vicar, and you know he used to get brown envelopes in the door. Dear vicar, can I just mention that I didn't like the way that you did that sermon the other day, and I didn't like it at all. And can I just pick you up on these four spiritual points? He's like, you know, you don't want the brown envelope chat. So, you know, it's important that we... So, so permission is everything. If people don't give you permission to speak into their life, do not speak into their lives. Because it's rude and it's judgmental and it comes across as a bit weird. Seek permission. Um, I think we have three, you can agree, three questions is a good thing. Well, I'll go into this another time, but three questions is a good thing. 
what's the three questions that we need to ask each other? So it was late night TV, stuff about our marriages and other stuff we won't talk about this morning because it's probably not appropriate, but we would ask pretty tough questions, all right? And just, we, we, we were very, very good at bantering, right? Lenny's really good at making friends with people, particularly people that don't like him. He's really good at that, right? He will get on with anybody, right? If you put him in an empty room, he'll make a friend. Do you know what I mean? Right? In fact, he's annoyingly, he's annoyingly friendly. Like, he's, he's just, oh, Len, just give it a break, mate. But he will literally walk up to anyone and speak to them and be friendly. He knows, he used to know everyone in Leeds, all the different people, all the awkward people that he used to know in the, in, the, in the council and everything else. He would know them all, and he'd get on with every single one of them. And people say, oh, I know Andy Lenton. So Andy Lenton, oh, he's lovely, isn't he? Oh, he's just annoying. But uh, he is. But it's, it's, it's important that we get, you know, beyond just the chit-chat. And I can't say that enough times, really. And uh, food and drink's good as well. So if you're going to meet together, admonish each other. Do it over a meal. I always find that's useful. In fact, I think everything in church should be done over food and drink. And I think anyone else who disagrees with me is a heretic. All right. There should always be more food and drink. Why is Alpha a success? I think partly because there's loads of food. I think that's partly. It's a Holy Spiritly. Of course it is. But also nice food is important because it shows you. So a couple of, couple of little challenges for you, really. This sounds like quite an intense talk that we've had today. This sounds like we've been super honest, but we laugh a lot. We're not very good in church at laughing, are we? Do you know what I mean? We're not too good at that. But we laugh a lot, but we get serious. So sometimes it gets a bit too laughy, and then we just go, can we just, um, what do we need to talk about, lads? So sometimes we do that. But I just encourage us to find someone you can laugh with. I think a real friend is someone who doesn't judge you, someone you can completely be yourself with, and you can just, you know, <laughs> you can just have a really good laugh with them. And we, we talk about big issues, we, big issues in society, theological issues, stuff in the news. We talk about our work and we talk about our life. Because so I'm self-employed, right? So I run my own business. And we, we have a phrase, that it, so when you're on when you're business, the problem when you're on business is you're always working in your business. Right? Listen to the words carefully. I'm always working in my business, being busy, doing the thing, trying to get more work, doing websites, all that kind of stuff. But I realize that sometimes I have, to, I have to work not in my business, but on my business. Where's the strategy? Where am I going? How am I planning this new stuff? Do you understand? And sometimes we're so busy doing life that we don't work on our lives. We don't actually go, do you know what? We need, I need to actually just stop and think here. And one of the biggest questions that I always encourage you to do, look at when I'm doing motivational type stuff, is ask the why question. Why... Why do I do what I do? If you want to be better at work, for instance, ask, why do I do what I do? You get to the why question, and it really opens up. So work on, our, on your work and work on your life. So let me tell you one story, and then I'll wrap up. Um, <clears throat> in 1944, I'm looking around the room here. I'm thinking, I don't know whether anyone's around at this time, but someone who's a very, very much older will vaguely remember this. My mum just about remembers the end of the Second World War. In 1944, the Nazis had got really close to England. I don't know whether you understand this. If you're younger, you might not have understood this. World War II was not going very well. In fact, they'd even made it to Guernsey and Jersey, hadn't they? That's how close they'd got. All right? I've worked in Guernsey, 
and uh, I've seen you know the, the stuff out there that you can see how close they got. They were knocking on our door because they were in a massive machine and they were full of hate and they were marching across Europe and the channel helped, right? So we realized that we had to do this thing called D-Day and D-Day took a long time planning. They thought, what if we chucked everybody, every boat, every armored car, if, what if we chucked everybody into, in, in, into France, we pushed them back and we liberated France? What if we could do this? This thing became known as D-Day and you've probably seen Saving Private Ryan and all those kind of films. But there was a problem, and that was fuel. So they worked out this thing called Pluto. And my friend Steve Lee talked to me about this. Such an amazing thing. Pluto stands for pipeline under the ocean. Pipeline under the ocean, Pluto. And from the Isle of Wight, they secretly did several pipelines from the Isle of Wight to the coast in France. And in those pipelines was fuel petrol and diesel fuel and they pumped fuel into France so that we could fill up the tanks and the hammer cars because without the fuel they would have got about 30 miles and then run out of petrol that was not a good look right in D-Day so they realized that they had to do this thing and the pumping station on the Isle of Wight was disguised as an ice cream parlor nobody found it they just secretly if you google it you can see it they secretly laid these pipes because they realized that this fuel was going to give life to D-Day. And maybe without these pipes, we'd be speaking German right now. So these pipes give life to that. So my question to leave you with really is who's on your team? Who's on your team and who gives you life? Yes, God gives you life. Hopefully, if you have a partner, they give you life too. But there needs to be more than that. I love my wife. My wife loves me. But I need someone that's not my wife that I can really talk to that can give life and can give fuel so that I can keep on going. There's no such thing as solo Christianity. There's no such thing as solo Christianity. In fact, there's no such thing as solo success. We do it together for a reason. And that's why I'm accountable and admonish and let him admonish me. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Lee. So the band can come back up, actually. There's a phrase, it's not biblical, but we all know it. It says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that particular verse might not be in the Bible as it is written, but actually that is so true. How we communicate is of huge importance. People say that um, 7% of what a person says is what you remember. And 39% of what you remember is based on how the tone in how it's given. And that's interesting. But 54% is body language. What is the person like? If they're wagging their finger at you, you're probably not going to remember it. But like, that's really important, how we communicate with each other, with our partners, with, with our friends. Accountability is really important. It's biblical. The word that Paul uses for admonish, it might be familiar to you. It's the word parakleo. Parakleo. Actually, it means to call to one side. Interestingly, the word for the Holy Spirit is paraclete, the one who comes alongside. 
So when we are encouraging one another, exhorting one another, admonishing one another, we need to be mindful that we're doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit and in tune with him, using the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Paul talks in Ephesians 6 of the armor of God, doesn't he? And when you look at the armor of God, you've probably heard many sermons about it. It's all for protecting the front, the breastplate of righteousness, you know, the shield of faith. And there's nothing for the back. And many commentators have, 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 have said that's interesting, that there's nothing for the back. Why? Because this stuff, this stuff is about our backs. I'm watching his back. He's watching my back. We're watching each other's back, or we should be. That's admonishing one another. That is taking care of one another. That's love. That's what a church should do. We're going to sing. And we're going to sing, Jesus, what a beautiful name. And as we sing that song, I'd like us to really think to ourselves and pray in our own spirit to, to God and say, God, who have I got in my life that I'm vulnerable to, that I'm open to, that I'm inviting in my life, that I'm giving permission to, to speak into my life. Are they a Christian? Are they full of goodness? Are they full of knowledge, your knowledge, Scripture? Because they're the people that will do me good. They're the people that will bring this clean water, this living water. They're my pipeline. So let's just pray, and then I'll ask the band to lead. Father, thank you, Lord, that you are the source, source of that living water. But thank you, Lord, that you have commissioned us to be that pipeline, to be that well for one another. And Lord, as we grow in our faith, Lord, we know that we're not to grow in isolation, but to grow with encouragement, with love, with support from one another. So as we do that, Lord, may we be full of your Holy Spirit. Maybe we we full of what your Holy Spirit wants to say and do through us. And Lord, may we be nothing but encouraging and exhorting people towards one another. Father, make this a strong fellowship in that love and in that bond for your glory. Amen. Let's stand, shall we? Let's sing.